Everybody, welcome back to the GBI Show, another exciting week of the program. Here, Jay Sannon, your host on a show where we will never delete a pick that's been going around on the gambling sphere as of late, but not here. We will never delete a pick. We'll never run from any of the predictions that we make on the show. So excited to have you with us here on this Thursday night. Of course, that is if you are listening live, if you are watching on demand on YouTube or Twitter, if you are listening on demand in the podcast feed. Thank you for doing that. Very much appreciated. No matter how you're listening, no matter when you're listening, we appreciate you being here with us on the GBI show. Tonight, week eight of the NFL schedule, and this is a good one, man. We got a great Thursday night football game. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Very excited about Packers and Cardinals and some interesting angles to look at in that game. I think it should be noted but beyond that, beyond Thursday night football, we got a whole slate. We got 15 games this week. Only two teams are on the bye. You have the Ravens and the Raiders, I believe, on the bye this week. 15 games, it's a lot to talk about. So why don't we get right into it? We will start with Thursday night football. It is the Green Bay Packers, six and a half point dogs at the Arizona Cardinals as of this afternoon. I believe it's dropped to six, depending on where you shop here in the evening time. On Thursday, as uh, this show is being done about an hour and a half or so before Thursday night football begins in earnest in week eight, total 50 and a half in this game. And this is a game where, of course, every week on the show, we break down the numbers in depth. We also break down the storylines, the injuries, the stuff you need to know about each game, right? Beyond just what the statistics tell us. And this is a game where there is a lot going on beneath the surface of what the stats tell us in this game. Notably, you got some injuries, you got some illnesses that could really have an impact on both of these teams heading into this game, right? You have the wide receiving core for the Green Bay Packers just decimated this week. Monte Adams, Alan Lazard, I believe Marquez Valdez-Scantling also not going to be playing this week for the Packers. I know with Adams and Lazard, it is a COVID-19 list related. But uh, Valdez-Scantling, I believe, was a late scratch as well. And then you have on the Cardinals' side, J.J. Watt now set to miss the season due to an injury, and it's supposedly much worse than they had originally thought with Watt. He's getting surgery. Apparently there was some sort of tearing involved. It's kind of – I mean, it's it's really – it's sad with J.J. Watt, right, because he always has these catastrophic injuries happen with him. And, I mean, you got to wonder if there's something that needs to be changed with his process that's causing that. But regardless – a lot going on in terms of players that aren't going to be on the field that could have an impact on the outcome of this game, right? For the Packers, you lose three of your top receivers, and now all of a sudden you got to figure out how you're going to move the ball if you're the Packers. Fortunately, they still have Aaron Rodgers, always conducive to moving the ball down the field, but you're losing your top target in Adams, who has gone well over 100 yards multiple times already this season. And you're losing some nice complimentary pieces as well in Lazard and Valdez-Scantling, who have made impacts at different times during their career as Packers. So now you look the rest of the way, and of course, you still have the running backs there. you got Aaron Jones, who you can rely on for Green Bay. And of course, Rodgers can make even the worst wide receivers look good. But you look at that group now, you're looking at guys like Randall Cobb. What kind of role is Robert Tunyon going to play at the uh, tight end position for the Green Bay Packers? So a lot of questions here with this Green Bay team, and that's part of the reason why you've seen Arizona favored by the amount that they have been so far. And, you know, you look at the numbers for these teams and, uh, you know, they're both known 
for their offenses, right? You have an explosive Aaron Rodgers-led offense in Green Bay. You have Kyler Murray leading this very fun attack coached by Cliff Kingsbury there in Arizona. These teams known for their offenses, but both of these teams top 10 defensively in yards per play against so far this season. They've been doing a very nice job of getting stops, and we've seen that the last couple of weeks, especially with the Packers, right? They've played a couple of pretty ugly games against the Bears, against the Washington football team, ended up winning them both by double figures without putting up huge offensive numbers. They really limited those two offenses. Of course, a much bigger ask for the Packers defense this week against Kyler Murray, who's in the MVP race, and a Cardinals team that is putting up a ton of points no matter where they go. But this is a game where I think the defenses might have more of a say on the outcome than the offenses, especially with the injuries and the illness situations going on in Green Bay. And, I mean, the Cardinals, listen, they put up a lot of points, but they are facing a better defense than they may be used to this week. I would lean the under in this game more than I would go with a side. It's a weird game to bet from the side perspective, in my opinion, because everything is pointing to the Cardinals, right? They're undefeated. They're at home, short prep week for the Packers, all this COVID-19 stuff going around Green Bay. But the line has gone the opposite direction, even though a ton of bets coming in on the Cardinals, a lot of big bets coming in on the Cardinals as well. You're still seeing that line shrink a little bit and go back toward Green Bay here in the late stages. A little iffy for me on the side, but I would lean the under 50 and a half. I think both these defenses are pretty good. The reason why it's not a full-on bet for me, both of these teams we know can put up points, and if the pace comes out quick early, you know they're not going to stop, and then you're just a couple of pass interference calls away from having your under destroyed. And, of course, then you're the guy who looks back and says, boy, I bet an under in a game with Kyler Murray against Aaron Rodgers. Probably don't feel too good about that. So, for me, I would lean to the under here, but it is a pretty interesting game for me. It's a game where I don't think we're going to see a lot of – quality relative to what we're used to to these teams right you got the short week for both sides high pressure situation against decent defenses i think it's going to be a pretty interesting one in arizona so that's your look at thursday night football packers cardinals i it's again it's a game where i'm very upset that they've run this at the exact same time as the knicks and the chicago bulls as a diehard knicks fan i would like to watch one of these and then the other one at completely different times instead I'm going to be watching the Knicks on TV. I'm going to be watching the football on the phone, unfortunately, as we uh, as we head into this Thursday night game. But now let's get into the Sunday slate, where there are a nice, it's a nice crop, right? 13 games on the Sunday slate. Fewer anticipated blowouts this week, which is kind of nice. You didn't have those gigantic spreads like you did a week ago. By the way, those gigantic spreads, you had the three big ones, right? You had the Rams laying two tutties against the Lions. You had the Cardinals. It got up to 20 against the Texans. And then you had the uh, the Tampa Bay-Chicago game. It was around 12, 11 and a half. And Tampa Bay covered that one convincingly. Those big numbers went 2-1 and one against the spread. Worth keeping an eye on as we keep going this season. And we could continue to see some of those big numbers. And let's start our talk about the Sunday slate with one of those big point spreads for this week. We are looking at the Los Angeles Rams. 14-point favorites taking on the Houston Texans. Total 47 and a half. And it's a game where last week the Rams were favored by a ton. They did not cover. Not only did they not cover, they did not look like they were certain to win that game for a lot of it. The Lions had a lot of chances to take some leads late in that game. They just could not get that one successful drive put together. 
that they needed to. And eventually the Rams ended up winning by, I believe, nine against the Detroit Lions, who are still winless on the season. But I think going back to the well here with the L.A. Rams would be the best look in this game. Um, you look at the way that the Houston Texans have played with Davis Mills, and you saw it last week as a huge underdog against the Cardinals. They got beat, what was it, 31-5. It was it was ugly. They have broken double digits just one time with Davis Mills as their starting quarterback. That was against the Patriots. He threw a couple of balls up for grabs, and they ended up going really well for the Texans. Outside of that, not a lot of production. They have scored 39 points in his five starts. That is an average of under eight points per game. And you take on now an L.A. Rams team that is very explosive, averaging over a yard and a half more per play than the Texans so far this season. And I just don't think that is a recipe for success for the Houston Texans. Again, double figures in just one of the five starts for Davis Mills this year. And uh, I mean, it's iffy, I think, if they get to double figures here. You got to remember with that Lions game last week, sure, the Rams did not cover as around a two-touchdown favorite. You got to give the Lions some credit in that game, though. It's not like the Rams just came out and played terribly from start to finish. The Lions really went for it in that game. I credit to Dan Campbell and everybody else there in Detroit. They were running a couple of fake punts. They, I mean, they kind of emptied the playbook hoping to just keep it competitive in that game. And they did. They did a very good job. They saved themselves a couple of possessions. And you give them all the credit in the world. I don't think we're going to see that kind of ingenuity from the Houston Texans team, whose biggest priority right now is trying to offload Deshaun Watson. And by the way, uh, you want to talk about a time in your life where you are glad to work in the sports betting field as opposed to the regular sports media, this would be that time. Because instead of having the conversations about Deshaun Watson and potential trade partners and trying to give my half-baked opinions on what I think should happen to Deshaun Watson or whatever. Instead, we can just talk about the gambling aspects and have fun. And that's uh, that's kind of nice during times like these when uh, there are things going on that are uh, very real for a lot of people. But we'll continue now. I Like I said, I think the Rams are the play here. Um, I, I just I can't back Davis Mills, even when I'm getting two touchdowns at home against any sort of quality team. I personally, again, I'm not trying to lay two touchdowns either, but my thought is if you were going to make a play here that the Rams would be the ones to go with. Now let's go to the AFC North where we're supposed to get a much more competitive game. Hopefully we'll get a more competitive game in Rams-Texans in the form of Steelers-Browns. The Browns a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home, total 42. Uh, you're reading that Baker Mayfield should play. In this game, uh, you know, no official word yet from Cleveland. But, um, you know, again, injuries on both sides, definitely a factor, even if Baker is able to go. You look at the Steelers, Chase Claypool, Roethlisberger, questionable on the injury report. You'd expect them to go, but something to keep an eye on. Carlos Davis on IR for the Steelers. And then you'll look at the Browns and the injury report. There's like 15 guys who are questionable and a lot of them key contributors, guys like Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb. It's it's not a pretty situation for the Cleveland Browns on the injury side, but they are still favored to win this game. I would lean the under in this contest more than I would do anything else. Uh, Cleveland second in the league this year in yards per play allowed. I think they will do a good job against a quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger who is not completely healthy. 
And I also just think, again, this is a situation for Cleveland where they are kind of geared toward running the ball, grinding out victories, even if they certainly have the capability of putting up points through the air. I don't think they're going to need to in this game. I think being at home, this is, I mean, this is the Super Bowl for the Browns every year, right? Their fans, this is the game that they circle on the calendar every season. So you know you're going to get a great energy there in Cleveland from the fans. I think they're going to, that's going to help slow down the Pittsburgh offense as well. But I think just statistically alone, you look at how well this defense has performed for Cleveland. Cleveland, by the way, gaining a yard per play more on offense than the Steelers as well. I think we're going to see a pretty poor showing from the Steelers offensively, which will allow the Browns to kind of grind down the clock in the second half. I would think that the under is the way to go if you were to have a side in this game. By the way, Pittsburgh 4-1-1 and to the under this season. So right there, I think that kind of speaks to the type of team you're looking at in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that you have a game where it's going to start slow. I mean, again, again, we don't know what Baker Mayfield can bring us right away. Baker Mayfield, he could come out and kind of need to kind of regroup after missing a week last week against the Denver Broncos on Thursday Night Football. And there is still a faint possibility that we see Case Keenum, which would be great for the under if you manage to get it at the current number. But I think that would be the way to go in that ball game. Now back to the NFC. We will talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Detroit Lions, who, by the way, are winless on the season, total 48-and-a-half. And this is a game where you look at the number and you say, boy, shouldn't the Eagles be favored by a little bit more against the Lions team who everybody should probably be, be favored by a little more than this against? And I think a lot of it has to do with the way that the Lions played against the Rams last week, right? They showed a lot of heart. They emptied the playbook. They showed we're not going to completely lay down this season as, oh, and whatever it is, 17 now, seems like a distinct possibility for this Detroit team. Um, some injuries to worry about offensively for the Eagles here. Miles Sanders, not necessarily a guarantee to go in this game. Devontae Smith is also questionable for the Eagles. And Smith, I think, maybe a bigger deal than Sanders. Sanders, probably a more productive player, more consistent player. But the Eagles don't exactly give their running backs enough room to operate to where I think that's going to be the end of the world. But losing a key receiver in a road game, I think is pretty important. Ryan Kerrigan on the defensive line, the pass rush of the Eagles also questionable for this game. Now you look on the other side and you have the Lions with now a third offensive lineman going on injured reserve. I am, of course, talking about Logan Stenberg. He joins Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow on that offensive line on IR. And that is, I mean, just terrible luck for the Lions, first of all. But it's, I mean, it's a problem in terms of protecting a quarterback in Jared Goff, who certainly needs all the help he can get. Not that he's going to be firing the ball downfield if he gets protection, but you give him even less time and it could be a pretty ugly situation for Detroit. The Eagles allowing a yard per play less than the Lions so far this season, but it's interesting. You look at the scoring defenses of these two teams, they're 24th and 25th in the league, respectively. It's not as if there's a huge advantage there for Philadelphia, despite the big number difference in their yards per play allowed. I think that this is a game where I would lean very slightly to the over, but I think out of the entire slate this week, this is the game that I would probably have the lowest amount of interest 
in wagering on uh, the Lions. Like, I mean, again, if you're going to bet the Detroit Lions, you have to know going in, things could get really bad for you really fast. And then, I mean, look, this Eagles team is nothing special whatsoever. They are, they're tied for second place and they're tied for last place. This is the rare situation that the NFC East is in where you have three teams below the Dallas Cowboys tied for both second and last all at the same time at two and five. So again, not a game I want to put my eggs in the Jalen Hurts basket on the road, but I'm also not trying to back the uh, the Detroit Lions either. I would lean slightly toward the over just because both of these teams do tend to give up a decent amount of points regardless of their per play numbers. But uh, it is not a game that I am enthused about getting involved with. Another game that I think is kind of ugly from a betting perspective, but we will go over it nonetheless. The San Francisco 49ers, three and a half point favorites on the road against the Chicago Bears. Total under 40 here, 39 and a half. And of course, last week, the Niners losing that weird game in the rain against the Colts. There were a lot of turnovers simply because dudes were having trouble holding on to the football. And on the other side, the Bears got just demolished 38 to 3 against the Buccaneers last week. And it's a game where I'm not expecting a lot from either offense. Um, you have George Kittle out for the Niners. Trent Williams is on the injury report, is questionable, along with Debo Samuel. So multiple key pieces, not at 100% for the 49ers offensively. And then you look on the other side for the Bears, and even you know with guys healthy, they're not fully healthy either. Of course, Montgomery's on IR. It's kind of messy there as well. But without any new additions to the injury list over the last week for the Bears, now, they're still dead last in terms of yards per play gain this season. They are not doing a very good job of moving the ball with Justin Fields, and they weren't doing a good job of it with Andy Dalton as well, to be completely fair. Uh, worth pointing out here, uh, some key pieces for the Bears' defense not looking great to play. And, of course, I am speaking specifically about Khalil Mack, who was doubtful to play in this game. Akeem Hicks also questionable for the Chicago Bears. The Niners are a tough team to back as a road favorite here, in my opinion. I won in five against the spread so far this season. However, again, you talk about a Bears team dead last in terms of yards per play gained this season, dead last in terms of yards per pass attempt. So it is specifically the passing game that is the biggest issue with this Bears team. And I just do not see a way you can justify Backing either side here. Look, it's a low total, but I do think that there might be a move to be made on the under 39 and a half if you absolutely had to play this game. And I think it's worth mentioning, by the way, you don't. You don't have to play this game. You don't have to bet the Thursday night game. It's an exciting matchup, Thursday night football. You don't have to do it. There are going to be a lot more Thursday night footballs in your lifetime. You can wait until you actually have an edge on a game. I think that is very important to point out as we go through these games every week because you know there are there are people like me, right? We give out sports betting content on a regular basis. We talk about who we think is going to come out ahead in these situations. But I like to very clearly delineate when I am actually wagering on a game and when I just am kind of producing content, doing my job that allows me to uh, you know, keep my kids in whatever size shoe they're in this week. Because when you have a four, four-year-old set of twins and a five-year-old, that changes a lot, right? Yeah, those shoe size numbers, they change quite a bit, quite often. So I think that it's important to point out that difference and just kind of remind you, you don't need to bet 
on every single game on the schedule. As much as people want to pretend like they're out here betting 16 games a week in the NFL, I promise you that is uh, not really the way to do business. Now let's get another double-digit spread up here because we just can't get enough of them here on the GBI show. Second straight week, we're dealing with multiple double-digit numbers. And this one is in the AFC East. It features the Miami Dolphins, 13.5-point underdogs in Orchard Park, taking on the Bills, total 49.5. And this game, I think it's bumped back up to 14 in some places. I took these numbers in the afternoon. Uh, the Dolphins, they, of course, lost to the Falcons in their last game on a last-second field goal. Uh, the Bills coming off of a bye week, and I think that this is a really tough spot for the Miami Dolphins, right? You come off of back-to-back games where you just had your heart ripped out at the very end, right? You've had some chances to win these games. Last-second field goals have killed you both times against the Jaguars and the Falcons. It really has to have you questioning what kind of quality team the Miami Dolphins are. Meanwhile, you face a Bills team who is at home and is going to be fresh off a bye and looking for sort of revenge, I guess, not against the Dolphins, but after losing in the way they did their last game, Monday Night Football against the Titans, where a successful Josh Allen quarterback sneak easily gets them a first down, and then they have goal to go with a chance to win very late in that game. Instead, Allen, just he doesn't even get tackled. He just kind of slips, and he doesn't get the first down. The game ends right then and there. And this is a Bills team that they're going to want to prove themselves after a debacle like that at the very end during a very winnable ball game there in Tennessee. Uh, the Bills, they're tied for 10th in the league in yards per play this season. Miami's in the bottom five in that regard. And that just kind of speaks to the offensive mismatch that we're looking at. And, of course, not helping things is the fact that the Bills are the only team in the NFL this season allowing under five yards per play. And that's even after they kind of got torched by the Tennessee Titans. I mean, I don't really think that that's a hot take. I mean, they really were outplayed by the Tennessee offense in that game. Uh, even with that, the Bills still the only team in the league allowing under five yards per play. I think we see them really rein into a tongue of Iloa and that Miami offense. I think we see the Bills get back on track here. I would lean toward the Bills in this game, even with all those points being thrown around. But again, I'm not going to lay double figures here when I think that there are better ideas to be executed on the board this week in the NFL. Uh, the Bills, by the way, 4-2 and two against the spread, even with the outright loss to Tennessee in their last game. Miami 2-5 and five against the number, and you got to figure a lot of underdog numbers included in that stretch. So again, I think that the Bills are going to win big, but uh, I'm not trying to lay two touchdowns in the NFL when the back door could very well swing wide open when you choose to do that. Another double-digit spread. I, this should be it if memory serves. I I uh, keep scrolling as the show goes along here. I think this is the final double-digit margin as far as the point spread is concerned of the week, um, but I make no promises there. It is the Cincinnati Bengals, 10.5-point favorites at the New York Jets. Total 42 and a half, and boy, this game got weird in a hurry. Uh, Zach Wilson, of course, the rookie quarterback for the Jets, the top five draft pick. He goes down in a heap against the New England Patriots last week in a blowout loss for the Jets. Mike White comes in, who 
he could be an NFL quarterback. He could be an ancillary member of the White Stripes. I have, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have known until he came in to uh, replace Zach Wilson last week for the Jets. And uh, this is just, this is an awful situation to throw Mike White, poor Mike White, into. Uh, the Jets, they, they've brought in Joe Flacco, who should start practicing with the team on Friday. But of course, he is nowhere near ready to take over on just a couple of days notice for the Jets. So it is going to be Mike White. Um, that is an issue, especially, especially you're facing one of the hottest teams in the NFL in the Cincinnati Bengals who played very admirably. I mean, they crushed the Baltimore Ravens last week, one of the best teams in the league. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals first place in the AFC North. Who would have expected that? This is that's just a mismatch, and that's before you get to Mike White as the quarterback of this game. The Bengals tied for third in the NFL in yards per play gain. The Jets 31st in the league, a bigger mismatch than what we just talked about with the Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Bengals, by the way, stout defensively as well. I think that they're not getting enough credit with for their defense so far this season. I mean, all the talk about Joe Burrow is certainly justified. And as the weeks go on, the wronger I get about saying I thought Joe Burrow was going to be a bust in the NFL last year. I will wear that because, again, we don't delete it when we're on here on the GBI show. But in addition to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, who is at this point the leader in the clubhouse in the uh, rookie of the year on the offensive side race, the Bengals are they are third in the league in yards per play allowed, averaging just over five yards per play. They are also number one in the league in yards per attempt offensively with the passing game through Joe Burrow. And the Jets, you know, they're not terrible defensively. That's definitely their stronger side of the ball. And being at home, maybe they can make Joe Burrow work. But even if they do, realistically, how many points are you expecting out of the New York Jets in this game to where they can cover a number like 10 and a half? I think that, I mean, if the Bengals score 21 points, which is extremely doable for them, this season. If they score 21 points, right, they should cover that number. I don't see the Jets necessarily getting over the double-digit mark in this contest. The Jets 1-5 and five against the spread so far this season. They have the worst scoring offense in the NFL, averaging 13.3 points per game. And this is a game for the Bengals where you know if you win this one, you go into next week against Cleveland as the leaders in your division not just, you know, off of some tiebreaker on a head-to-head, but you're convincingly better than the teams in your division so far this season. And I think that there is a lot to be said about the job that they've done so far. I think that, again, I'm not trying to lay double figures in the NFL, but if I were to make a play on this game, I it would be to lay the points with this big, giant favor. I think that we could have a situation where at least two of these three big favorites cover in the NFL this week. Now for a game that I actually think there's a decent bit of betting value on, even though the lines moved a little bit, the Titans and the Colts. The Titans, one-and-a-half-point underdogs, going to Indianapolis, total 50-and-a-half. And this was a game where the Colts started out as slight underdogs, and the number 
has switched as a switch through zero, I should say, uh, in favor of the Colts. And this to me is a gigantic letdown spot for the Tennessee Titans, right? To me, the biggest letdown spot for a group of Titans since Hades released them to attack Zeus in the 1990s Disney animated movie Hercules. That big a letdown spot for the Tennessee Titans coming this week. The last two games that the Titans have played, they beat the Bills in that chaotic finish on Monday Night Football at home. And then last week, they demolished the Kansas City Chiefs 27-3. to They knocked Patrick Mahomes out of the game. Everything coming up Titan over the last two weeks for Tennessee. Here's the thing with that, though. Both of those games were at home, and you had a Bills team going into their bye week. You have a Chiefs team that just simply can't defend right now. Chiefs had a bad game offensively, but that was actually it was probably one of the better games they've played on defense. The Titans, a home dog last week, were an absolute home run. This week, I don't think it works out for the Tennessee Titans. I think you have a big-time letdown spot for Tennessee. By the way, a Tennessee team that is playing against the Rams next week on Sunday Night Football. So they have a marquee game to look forward to beyond this one against the Colts. And you look at these teams, they are not as widely separated as you might think heading into this game. Now, the Titans averaging a tenth of a yard more per play than the Indianapolis Colts this season, despite the huge differences in reputation on the ground. Titans averaging a tenth of a yard more per carry, despite the fact that, right, we sit here and talk about Derrick Henry, he's great, he's fantastic, and he factually is that. But in terms of their per carry numbers, these teams virtually similar. Colts averaging more yards per play across the entirety of their offense than the than the uh, Tennessee Titans, doing better per play defensively as well. And they're at home against the team in a massive letdown situation in the Titans. Both of these teams, by the way, 5-2 and two against the spread. I think that the Colts are by far the best play on the board this week in the NFL. I might not be pulling the trigger for no other reason than I know that I missed the best number with Indy. And it's just kind of my way to not want to bet a number that's moved two and a half plus points in my direction before I get a piece of it. I mean, if you're, if you're here's the thing with betting the NFL. The Colts can still be a good play at one and a half, but if you're willingly giving away almost a field goal in the NFL before you bet something, that's not a long-term recipe for success, if that makes any sense. I think that the numbers favor Indianapolis here. The fact that they're at home favors Indianapolis here. And yes, Tennessee did beat the Colts in Tennessee. But I think that this is a spot where the Colts would be the best bet, even if you didn't get the best number. And you're not quite as neurotic as I am uh, trying to wait and make sure you get the best of everything before you pull the trigger. Now, we'll stay in the AFC. We will get out of the AFC South, mercifully, for right now. We got one more team in that wretched division to talk about in just a bit here on the GBI show. We're going to get out of the AFC South for just a little bit. I'm going to talk about the Patriots and Chargers next. The Patriots, five-point dogs on the road, total 49. And 
it's a game where I, you know, I lean the New England Patriots here. Um, there's a huge perceived gap in ability between Mac Jones and Justin Herbert. And some of that, of course, is very well deserved, right? I mean, Herbert has been legitimately good since he's entered the league. Mac Jones, they've kind of handled him with care so far, right? He's not taking a lot of risks. They aren't a high-octane offense in New England. They've kind of tried to ease him into all of this, knowing that he's a little limited out of the gate. But you look at the numbers for these guys, and the Patriots are averaging more yards per attempt in the passing game than the Chargers. It's just, it's very interesting to look at it that way. And, of course, again, you have to note that the actual yardage and things like that is superior for the Chargers because they're putting the ball in the air more often. But I think it's interesting to note that Mac Jones and the Patriots offense more yards per attempt than the Chargers so far. Now, the Chargers come into this game 4-2 and two against the spread. The Patriots only 3-4. and four in that regard, but these are two pretty evenly matched teams statistically. They're within a point of each other in terms of their scoring offenses. Defensively, the Patriots allowing around five points per game less. And, you know, offensively, yards per play identical on the season, 5.7 yards per play on both sides. New England better on the defensive side there as well, and that's not entirely unexpected, right? This is a situation where you think of these two teams as they're currently constructed, and it's pretty fair to say the Patriots better defensively, Chargers better offensively. The question in this game, the weak strength of victory for the Patriots, does that kind of tilt things a little bit in favor of the Chargers? Because you look at the games that the Chargers, I'm sorry, that the Patriots have won so far this season. They've beaten the Jets twice, and they beat Davis Mills and the Texans once, and that is it. And I don't think that that's enough to talk me off of the Patriots here. If I had to play this game, I, to me, it's I would I, it's not quite enough to get me to go full on New England here, that five point number. But I think if you had to make a play, I think that the Patriots are the way to go. Um, again, you're just you're getting a better defense. You're getting a Chargers team coming off the bye for the first time uh, with Staley as their head coach. How do they do that? Uh, you know that if the Patriots were coming off the bye, they would certainly have this immaculate game plan drawn up for Justin Herbert and company. But, you know, again, these are little factors that I think could make a difference in this game. And I think that the numbers say that the Patriots can be a lot more competitive than some people might think, even though it is very tempting to take Justin Herbert and that explosive Chargers offense on their home field. Now let's go to the Jaguars. We said we had them still coming up in the show, and unfortunately, I wasn't lying. Here we are. Jaguars, three-point dogs taking on the Seahawks. It is Trevor Lawrence versus Geno Smith, a matchup that never in our wildest nightmares did we think we would be getting. Total 43-and-a-half. By the way, Pete Carroll versus Urban Meyer, a little USC versus uh, Ohio State or Florida, I guess take your pick for uh, for Urban Meyer there. But this is an interesting game in that it is very difficult to pick a winner, right? Because you have Jaguars coming off the bye. It's Urban Meyer's first bye week in the pros. Uh, Lord help the young women of the American Midwest, as we discussed last week. Taking on a Seahawks team that has not yet won with Geno Smith at quarterback. However, 
They have been competitive. Geno Smith has covered the spread twice as a starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. He did it in Pittsburgh on, uh, what was that, Sunday night football. And then on Monday night football, he comes out, he covers the spread against the Saints. It wasn't pretty. Last week, they lost 13-10. to 10. Uh, Some kicking issues were really the undoing for the Seahawks, even more so than Geno Smith. But it was a game where they were in it the entire time. And credit the defense of the Seattle Seahawks, who have really stepped up with Geno Smith at quarterback. You look at the last two games for the Seattle defense. They gave up, what was it, 20, 23, somewhere in that neighborhood against the Steelers. And then they give up 13 points in the loss to the Saints. They have really stepped up knowing that the team on offense is not going to put up the kind of numbers that they were with Russell Wilson leading them. And it's a game where, I mean, you know, you can kind of throw out a lot of the season-long statistics for the Seattle Seahawks because, of course, they look better offensively over the course of the whole year than they do over the last couple of weeks with Geno Smith, where they have averaged 15 points per game. Both of these teams, by the way, bottom five in time of possession, bottom five in third down conversion percentage. These are not offenses that are accustomed to staying on the field. I would lean the Seahawks and the under here. Uh, Geno Smith, I think, could very well go to 3-0 and against the spread. He, he could easily enter the Teddy Bridgewater pantheon of not great quarterbacks who managed to still cover the spread at an alarming rate. But I am not putting my eggs in either one of these baskets in this game. I have no desire to do so. Uh, by the way, the Jaguars, they are hosting the Buffalo Bills next week. Good luck to them there. We could very well see another double-digit point spread. And the Seahawks are heading into their bye week. I would, I would rather watch on-demand versions of uh, the WNBA. I'd rather watch WNBA reruns than uh than watch this game and that by the way not a knock on wnba as i'm a big fan of it as anybody who watches the show knows uh, i am just saying i'd rather not watch the jaguars and the seahawks i even if i see it on red zone i'm gonna be upset i do not want to see the game i do not want to know what is happening as it's going on next washington football team denver broncos this is like a this is like a slightly more upscale version of Jaguars and Seahawks, in my opinion. It's like you're getting the starting quarterbacks. They're a little bit better than the Jaguars and Seahawks and what they have to offer, but it's still not a game that's very attractive. The Broncos, three-point favorites at home, total 44. And, I, you know, I lean toward the Broncos this game, but again, not one that I'm trying to get involved with. A lot of injury concerns going in offensively for the Washington football team. Uh, you got questionable designations for Ricky Seals-Jones, Terry McLaurin, Gibson, and Curtis Samuel. And again, even if they play, the fact that they're not at 100% could be a problem. Also a problem for this Washington team is the fact that their defense is kind of the weak link in this game, in my opinion, off of all the units on both sides. Uh, you know, neither offense is going to blow you away, but like they're reasonably competent. The Washington defense has been pretty bad this year, allowing seven and a half yards per pass attempt. The question here is, can Denver make the Washington football team pay for that? And I don't know that they can. Teddy Bridgewater, not great. It was an embarrassing loss last week against Case Keenum and the Cleveland Browns on Thursday night. But now you have a Broncos team at home 
week and a half to prep for a bad Washington team who is one and six against the spread, the worst mark in the league in that department. And I don't think that spells good things for the football team. So if I had to take a side here, it would be the Denver Broncos. But again, a game where I would like to focus instead on the other game in the four o'clock window that is garnering a lot of attention and justifiably so. I'm, of course, talking about the Bucs and the Saints. The Bucs, five and a half point favorites coming into this game on the road, total of 50. And I get it. I understand why Tampa Bay is favored the way they are in this game. They have been absolutely rolling teams so far this season. They're coming off of that 38 to 3 thrashing of the Chicago Bears, whereas the Saints, they just barely squeaked by Seattle on Monday Night Football, barely beating Geno Smith, but they did. They did beat Geno Smith and the Seahawks, and they deserve credit for that because there is no such thing as an easy road win in the NFL. And Tampa Bay, of course, is going to look to prove me wrong and win easily against the Saints here. We'll see if that happens, but I'm a little skeptical on laying the points with Tampa Bay in this contest. And, you know, the numbers are spectacular for the Buccaneers. Uh, you know, again, you have Tom Brady, at quarterback. That's how it's going to be. Tampa Bay, sixth in the league in yards per play this season on offense in the NFL. The Saints, they rank 27th. They are averaging five yards per play. The Jameis Winston thing hasn't gone great by any means for Tampa Bay. But here's the thing. You look at the Saints team, they're competent defensively, right? They are slightly better in terms of their yards per play allowed than Tampa Bay, and they have the third best scoring defense in the league, Tampa Bay, by the way, ranking 10th in that regard. This is a team that could keep Tom Brady not completely off the scoreboard. That's ludicrous. But with a lot of injuries to some of his weapons, right, guys like Antonio Brown, doubtful, Gronk and O.J. Howard, questionable, they could slow Tom Brady down just enough, I think, to cover the spread in this game. The Bucs, by the way, three and four against the spread this season. They are not great in terms of covering the number, but that is a product of being a big favorite frequently in the NFL. This is a game where I would lean toward the New Orleans Saints. In a game, by the way, that's only their second true home game of the season, right? Week one, they had to play in Jacksonville because of uh, the natural disaster over there in New Orleans. They played the Packers. They beat them handily in Jacksonville. They were technically the home team, but that wasn't really a full-on home game. They lost their only real true home game of the season in overtime to the New York Giants. This is going to be an environment, I think, that really helps propel the Saints in addition to the fact that, hey, you know what? Their defense might just be good enough to cover the spread in this contest. Now we have reached the two primetime games this week in the NFL here on the GBI show, and I am very excited about both of them. And we will start with the Dallas Cowboys, two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. And the total in this game, 55. I don't like a side in this game. I think that the Cowboys, right, they've looked very good with a lot of their games at home so far this season. Cowboys coming off the bye this week, taking on a Vikings team, who, by the way, is also off of their bye. So you got two rested, refreshed teams, at least relatively speaking, heading into this game. And this is one that the Vikings really need if they want a chance at the playoffs, right? The Cowboys, let's face it, they've got that division pretty much locked up already in the NFC East, as we predicted, by the way, on the GBI show, 
going into this season. But the Vikings have no such luxury because they are in a division with the 6-1 and one Green Bay Packers. The division title is pretty much out of reach at this point for them already. They need to start winning games to have a chance at the wild card. I just don't know if I can back Kirk Cousins in a big game against a team with a winning record. There's a history there of that not quite working out for betters, to say the least. What there is also a history of coming into this game is games going over the total when the Dallas Cowboys are involved. Dallas, 5-1 and one to the over so far this season. They're also 6-0 and oh against the spread. So if you, if you put a lot of stock into these sort of trends, I personally do not. But I think that, you know, as somebody whose job it is to inform people of the information that they might be interested in going into these games, I do want to try and get you some of that. Cowboys 6-0 and against the spread, 5-1 and to the over this season. But I think the over has more legs than taking a side in this game. Uh, both teams very effective running the football as well as putting it in the air. The Cowboys number one in the league in yards per play game this season, averaging 6.6 yards a pop. But Minnesota's top 10 in that regard as well. They are 10th. They are right on the, the cusp there. But both of these teams capable of moving the ball effectively. And I think that off the bye week, you have a lot of time to focus on what it is you want to do against this particular opponent. I think we're going to see some crisp offensive execution in this game. And I do think that we see the total over 55 for this contest. Finally, Monday night football, and this is a game I dread. Whenever the Giants are on in prime time, I just dread it because it's just the, the nation gets to laugh at them, and they get to laugh at my pain for the most part as a Giants fan. This week, the Giants are nine and a half point underdogs on Monday Night Football, facing Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They couldn't even have put the Giants against the team in their division, or at least it might be competitive. No, here's the Kansas City Chiefs on the road on Monday night. Good luck. Great. Total 52. Uh, the Giants, they did beat the Carolina Panthers last week. Great defensive performance at home. Sam Darnold, he's the problem for that Panthers team. We said it before the season. I'm saying it again now. He's the problem for that Panthers team. They made it so Sam Darnold didn't even finish the game. XFL MVP, or at least presumptive MVP before the league shut down in uh, 2020. P.J. Walker finished out the game for the Carolina Panthers. Shout out to the Houston Roughnecks. The Chiefs, they did lose last week. They got blown out by the Tennessee Titans by a score of 27-3. This is probably a game where they're going to bounce back, right? The Kansas City Chiefs at home, noisy environment. Jabril Peppers on injured reserve now for the Giants. Still the same massive injury list. A lot of questionable skill position guys for the Giants. I just think it has the potential to get ugly. I would lean toward the Chiefs here. However... That Chiefs defense does keep the door open for the Giants in this contest. They are dead last in yards per play allowed. The Giants a full yard better in terms of their yards per play defense. But the Giants have to defend Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs have to defend Daniel Jones. Again, I would lean toward the Chiefs here, but I'm not laying close to double figures in the NFL. And you know it should be pointed out, to be completely fair, Daniel Jones has been decent this season for the Giants. He has. He has been decent thus far for the New York Giants. I just don't know if that's going to be good enough against a team that just came off of scoring three points in a contest. I think that we could see a Chiefs team that looks to just absolutely take out their early season frustrations 
on the New York Giants. But uh, I will not be betting the game. I will probably be covering my eyes for most of it and just hoping that the Giants can keep things respectable. So, folks, that's uh, that's your look at week eight of the NFL season here on the GBI Show, a tight 48 minutes or so of uh, the NFL information you need to know before you go place your bets. Of course, we'll be back next week for week nine. Before that, and before you place your bets this weekend in the NFL, NBA, UFC, NHL, we have an actual Canadian handicapping the NHL, as we mentioned last week, go to ATS.io. All of the written previews you'll need for this week's NFL and everything else going on. You can also find out how to earn yourself a little bit of extra money if you are uh, new to some of the legal sports books around the United States. Like, uh, for example, you can bet 5 bucks and win 200 on the NFL this week if your bet comes in a winner. Find out all about that stuff, all the good stuff, at ATS.io. Until next week, this is Jay Sanden saying see you later. Thanks for putting up with me, and good luck on your NFL bets this weekend. Thank you for watching or listening to the GBI Show.